there we go. Now, now we've got a nice uh, view of, of oh, Larry and a great poster in the background. I like that, Larry. So, yeah, Jacob Lawrence. I thought that might be, did you hear about the recent Jacob Lawrence that they found in somebody's apartment, like across the street from the Met? It was a fascinating story. Yeah, it was, I did hear about it. It was a great yeah. story. Raising stuff, uh, but listen, we're, we uh, we could talk to our show, but uh, we had Larry's a uh, former president of the Communication Workers of America, um, and uh, just a whole bunch of other things. I was trying to think of of what uh, for the purposes of this. Uh, you're still chairing the board of Our Revolution, am I right? Yes. Yep. That's good. Okay. Cool. Um, so you know, big uh, Bernie fan, and I'm I'm just. We have a lot to talk about, let's put it that way. Um, first of all, what are you hearing and seeing uh, on this election night 2020? Are you feeling, how, how are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I mean, you don't want to be overconfident given what's at stake, but I feel like, uh, you know, at seven o'clock, we're going to start to see some good results, even from Florida. Mm -hmm. And uh, polls closed in a bunch of states at seven, Florida, Vermont, uh, some other Southern states. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to be good. I'm not saying for sure we'll win Florida, but I think it's going to be close enough to predict the win in general. So we, we asked this, we had Harold Meyerson on uh, just a little while ago, and we were asking, um, you know, Harold, if, you know, uh, uh, Joe Biden wins, is this going to be, you know, the second coming for labor and we can all just, uh, you know, party on and it's, it's all going to be wonderful. Is that, <laughs> it was a little... As you can imagine from Harold, it was, a, it was a complicated answer, but I wanted to ask you the same question and then open it up to my colleagues here. Yeah, sure. So the Senate is key. Uh, otherwise, you're left with, uh, you know, what we had for eight years trying to get executive orders. Um, and in the Senate, uh, you know, if I had to predict, I would say there'll be 50 Democratic senators, so no margin. The vice president breaks the tie. It could be 51. Uh, and the key will be... Uh, a different approach to the rules of the Senate, that the Democratic caucus can't stand by and expect to get Republican supporters to put a bill on the floor. The Senate, as most of your viewers and listeners know, um, only requires a majority. We still there? Yeah, we're here. Yeah, you're good. I think, uh, yeah, we're good. Uh, yeah. Evan, just watch the uh, mute for some other folks. I think uh, we had some audio from Ben, but go ahead, Larry, you're good. Yeah, the Senate requires a majority to pass a bill, but requires 60 votes to put the bill on the floor. The greatest contradiction of any parliamentary body in the world. So, and we went through this as labor before with the Employee Free Choice Act and even with the NLRB confirmations uh, in the first Obama term. And we better not go through the same thing again, which is wait and wait and hope and hope, or pray and pray. Uh, the, the, uh, Schumer needs to be on notice from unions right off the bat that uh, we expect the majority to govern. That's what people think they're doing when they vote today. And that as the majority leader, which again, I'm hopeful he will be, I think he will be, um, but barely, uh, he's got to say to that caucus, and they meet in the next few weeks, this is not something that can wait. That new caucus will meet, they will decide on their leadership, committee chairs, and for labor, it's not just about the issues, it's about the process, or the issues never get anywhere. And, you know, we passed amazing bills in, when Pelosi was the speaker uh, in her second term, and Obama was the new president, and none of them ever got to the floor of the Senate for debate. 
Right. So that's my big deal. I've been working on that with Senators Merkley and Warren, uh, 25 groups along with our revolution, any group you can imagine. Uh, the NAACP, obviously the AFL-CIO, Tafari Gabray personally very involved. Uh, state uh, labor councils, uh, state feds and, and CLCs. Um, anyway, I could go on and on about that, but that's the big deal to me. Otherwise, um, I could give you my list of 16 items that Biden and uh, that Biden supports and they're in the Democratic platform. And the excuse will be, well, we don't have 60 votes, so we can't pass the $15 minimum wage. Um, we can't pass the PRO Act. You know, we can't even put them on the floor for discussion and debate. We can't pass uh, a jobs bill. We can't pass a Green New Deal or anything else, any version of that that would, um, that would give uh, good paying jobs to working class people across this country, whether they're black, brown, or white, and build the kind of nation we need. Thanks, Larry. Uh, so what I'm going to do, actually, before I open it up to my colleagues, uh, I know we have Ben Blake, uh, who's on site somewhere. Uh, also, I think we have Dan Maloney uh, by phone from Rochester, New York, uh, my hometown, uh, which passed uh, a really... Yeah, great, great resolution. Great resolution. Uh, just to, if Trump shuts down democracy, we shut it down. Exactly, uh, which I, I thought you would appreciate, Larry, and, and I'll be right on that. So let's see if we can get him uh, plugged in as well. Uh, Larry, the rest of the folks here are all members of the Labor Radio Podcast Network um, uh, from across the country. You can see the different shows that they're with, and I will uh, open it up to them. And I just, if somebody can uh, confirm. Yeah, group. Who's, who's up first? Uh, Evan, you're up first. Larry, thanks for joining us. I was on a call uh, a couple weeks ago for Our Revolution Maryland, where Jeremy or, uh, Representative Raskin was on the call as well. And uh, you were very militant on the fact that we need to push the Democrats and we need to make sure that no matter what happens after this, we keep the momentum going. We don't go back to sleep. And there's a lot of people that have had PTSD this last four years and all they want to do is rest. And what is, what's the formula to, to keep the pressure on and to keep the cohesion when we're each going to have our own little uh, policies that we're going to want to pass, but to make sure that we keep moving as a united front? Yeah, great question. Uh, and again, as I said, and by the way, uh, Maryland, I vote in Maryland, that's where I live, uh, my legal residence, although I'm in DC right this minute. Um, but you know, Maryland's lucky to have Jamie. Uh, there's some others we're not as lucky about, but I'll leave that out for now. And uh, as I said on that, uh, in, that, uh, in that Zoom meeting, um, we need to push Van Hollen and Cardin to make sure they stick with Schumer. Uh, otherwise, it's all happy talk. We get happy talk about, you know, reform healthcare. We get happy talk about the PRO Act and workers' rights and happy talk about $15 minimum wage. And then they just hide behind the fact that, well, we're sorry, uh, we don't have 60 votes, so we can't put that bill on the floor for discussion and debate. And, you know, we've got to say bullshit to that. And we've got to say it now. We don't wait till January because the Senate is going to organize itself now. And again, what keeps people together is no matter what brought you to this moment fighting Trump, uh, uh, immigration bill, Casa of Maryland, very big on the Senate rules thing. Um, whatever brought you here isn't going anywhere unless we're all united around, uh, you know, that the Senate must work with the majority. McConnell, on anything he cared about, 
skipped over the 60 votes, Supreme Court nominations. Uh, he lost by one vote, but repeal, repeal the Affordable Care Act, um, changed the number of hours that a nominee is on the floor of the Senate from 30 hours to two and confirmed 222 federal judges. Every single th two tax cuts for the billionaires, everything he cared about, he got done with a majority. He never had 60 votes. We better not hear from Democrats now, particularly uh, the, the minority leader, hopefully majority leader, uh, Schumer, that, uh, well, you know, we have to wait and see. There is no time to wait and see, especially now with this pandemic, with record unemployment. Uh, we're at the bottom of the world. You're all labor uh, uh, journalists. We're at the bottom of the world on workers' rights. We, can, we, we wait and see as Chile fixes their rules last week. We wait and see as Bolivia has another worker government. We wait and see as Argentina has repealed, uh, re repudiated the right-wing government of Macri and now has basically a working-class government. We wait and see as all of Europe has sectoral bargaining and they're all, you know, I'm not saying the unions are strong and everything, but at least they have the right to bargain. How long are we going to wait and see? We're done. We need to go now. And that means for all of us on this call particularly, that that means we win tonight. We see that we're going to have 50 Democratic senators. That's enough. And then we got to go right at all the Democratic senators to say, it's time for action. As my great grandmother said, I grew up in her house. I'll watch your feet, not your mouth. <laughs> Just quick follow up, Chris. And I, I think mass traction demands, you know, you have to rally around demands and it's got to be economic in nature is going to be able to pull together these groups saying that everyone's life is going to improve if we can just get these demands passed. And part of it's gonna be allowing for free organization of labor, but the other part's gonna be $20 minimum wage, 32 hour work week, like these right now that some people think pie in the sky, uh, but that we can, and housing for all, to get in a second economic bill of rights. Specific demands is what I think can bring us together and it's gotta be economic as well. Absolutely, perfect. Uh, I'll open it to other questions, but I have a sort of a, a, a communication question for you, Larry. As I mentioned, you know, this is, these are all members of the Labor Radio Podcast Network. We've actually got, I think, uh, Harold, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we have 73 members of that, of the network now. Uh, everything, Larry, from, you know, some of these are podcasts, official podcasts of international unions. Some of them are very unofficial uh, podcasts. Uh, there's a couple of 20-something uh, socialist uh, women who are doing something called, you, you, would like, you would actually like this podcast, it's called Crimes of Capital. Okay. <laughs> great, I love great show, very, very definitely unofficial. Um, but as, you know, former president of communication workers, uh, but, you know, th th we haven't had this sort of national platform before, and frankly, words are figuring out as we go. Do you have advice for us as, as we're sort of making our way forward here? Yeah, my advice is what you've already done is remarkable. I didn't realize it when we exchanged emails this morning. This is an awesome network. And, you know, my friend and, and, and uh, it makes me sad even to mention his name, Larry Hanley, who is president of ATU. He dreamed of what I'm looking at here. He would have done anything to have seen this. And this is what he wanted. And he was way ahead of us on that one. But um, this is, this. I, no, I'll take advice from all of you about what I should be doing. I'm not giving any advice. It's great <laughs> that you're together. And I, I really, uh, I'm very moved to see this. I didn't realize.
you'll probably be getting invitations to be on all these shows. So keep your schedule clear. <laughs> For sure. I don't have a question. Just a quick comment. This is Jeremy from uh, Break Time Breakdown Sheet Metal Worker at our local 110, Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, Larry, you got me fired up, man. You got me super fired up. And, and so thanks for that. Um, that, you know, that whole 60 vote um, super majority bullshit. Like it, it they, the, this last session they showed us for sure, it doesn't matter. None of that stuff matters. And, you know, when we get control, we got to ram it down their throats. I'm, I'm a hundred percent with you, man. We got to right. force the issue. Yes. Yeah. No repeats of 2009 to, to 17, right? No repeat. We've seen I that. I have a question for Larry coming from Texas. The, there's going to be a lot of pressure over the next few days uh, saying that we must go beyond the limits of the electoral system. Uh, how would you respond to that? So when you say the electoral system, tell me exactly what you mean. I mean, uh, what you're talking about is what we can do with Congress, what we can do with, with, uh, with the executive, what we can do with uh, the Supreme Court. Uh, there's going to be a lot of people on the streets over the next few days saying that we should go beyond all that and uh, uh, power yeah, people. Yeah, got it. Sorry, Gene, I didn't understand. I know you yeah. had a background with, with jobs, with justice, uh, yep. and, and so did I. And uh, yep. I always admired the fact that Job with Justice could go places that the labor movement and the electoral uh, movement really couldn't go. Yeah, well, that would be a long uh, monologue for me that I know uh, my friend Chris would be furious. So nope. I won't do that. You can do but the short version. You. Um, so in our revolution, we talk about it as a triangle. The base of the triangle is the issue campaigns, the street the organizing around the issue, right? It could be a local issue, it could be a state issue, it could be a national issue, it could be a working class issue, it could be immigration. Um, they're all related, right? When we forget that, we lose them all. Um, but one side of that triangle is elections. And, you know, the other side is, is building political parties, independent or democratic party, which is mostly what I do, changing it. Like in Texas, my friend Hightower is involved doing, and a lot of other people. But um, uh, so I think the issue work that is not electoral drives us and the, the tactic, sometimes the strategy becomes the election, right, as a way to win on the issue. But we should never forget that as, that as working class people, um, uh, it's the issues, you know, our, whether, whether it's a sheet metal worker at work, I heard you talking before I got on, or, or anybody else on here, uh, you know, it's not, you don't start with electoral politics. You start with, hey, why don't we have decent health care? Hey, my sister and brother over there who I work next to lost their jobs in the pandemic, and now they lost their health care too. How stupid can we be to say that we want to tie health care to work? You know, it's not about, you know, that I'm in love with single payer health care or Medicare or anything else. I am in love with the fact that every other country in the world, Global South as well, that has a democracy, has guaranteed health care whether you have a job or not. And what happens in a pandemic when you have 20 or 30 or 40 million people that don't have health care and they get the disease and they can't get treated, then I'm going to get the disease too. This is insane. Worst, worst death rate in the world. So to go back to your point, Gene, and I should calm down. I live, I'm in an apartment building and I'm sure everybody <laughs> on three floors can hear me. Um, they'll be knocking on the door here soon. But anyway, um, I, I think it's the issue campaigns. So the movement for black lives, an example, um, 
that, that was not electoral, but then it has an electoral piece to it, particularly at the city level. You know, we got all these people that we endorsed and others in our revolution and other groups, you know, running for district attorney. And you see in my hometown of Philadelphia, Krasner winning, you know, who's a progressive a district attorney made a difference when the police, and I grew up with those fucking cops, and excuse me if I offended anybody, I didn't really mean to. My Go for it, man. Go for it. And, uh, and, you know, Frank Rizzo, who is a fascist, was the police commissioner and then the mayor. That's right. That's right. And, and literally, you know, I, I got arrested repeatedly and, and worse. So, and if I was black, I would probably be dead. But um, all I'm saying is that to have Larry Krasner as the DA, instead of the shit we've had there since I was 18, 17, and saw that is amazing. And it makes a difference. So, so even that, which, you know, comes out of the rage of, of uh, you know, of, of, of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and, and, you know, countless other people murdered and shot and, and beat up. Um, uh, you know, even that rage, Gene, has an electoral side to it. And, and the people that I know that are, that are, that are active in, in Committee for Black Lives would say to us all, not only do we have to beat Trump, uh, not only do we have to you know, elect decent people as DAs, not only do we have to um, you know, uh, defund or, or reconfigure what policing means, not only do we have to make sure that we don't have white supremacists get jobs as cops, but we also, you know, we also, um, you know, there is an electoral side to that triangle, to any of these, to any of these things. That's all. And again, sorry that I went on too long. Not at all, Larry. It's, it's a, you, you, you got, you got Jeremy fired up. So I think, you know, job well done there. Uh, but before we do let you go, Harold had a, had a question for you. And then I think we're going to go to a live report. It looks like Ben Blake is down at the AFL-CIO, but uh, go ahead, Harold. Yeah, Larry, um, you know, you, you are getting everybody fired up and uh, that's good because we need that fire. We need that passion. Um, as you know, there are a lot of different views in the labor movement, a lot yeah. of different unions, a lot of different members with diverse views as well. So when we're talking about something like really pushing the people in charge in Congress, can you think of unifying messaging that can transcend those different factions within labor, the things that we can all agree on to get around so that we can be a united front when we go to these Congress people? Yeah, that was eloquent and I couldn't agree with that more. So I could just say that if you want me to say more and really that was perfect. Um, so I think we have to, at least some of the things that we organize around should be things that do unify, uh, you know, unions, but also other working class people who can't get in, in the private sector and in half the states in the public sector. It's like knocking on a door and it's locked and it's chained shut. And you're never getting in. You could kick the fucking door down and you might not get in. So uh, $15 and I'm, I'm there, you know, let's boost that up whenever we can. But I, let me just say on 15, it can't be $15 in 15 years. We, we got to fight for $15, you know, in 2020, by 2022. Um, and that, that's a huge difference, even with this unemployment and pandemic. And we got to remember that it's stimulate. You want to stimulate the economy. That's economic jargon. But, you know, pay people all at least $15. The PRO Act, these are things that will unify. Decent trade policy. We got to say to Biden, no, we don't want Rahm Emanuel. That's a rumor I heard. Rahm Emanuel, this is a serious rumor as U.S. trade representatives. 
let's make sure we get somebody worse than Lighthizer. Lighthizer is the best we've had in my recent lifetime. That's Trump's trade rep. We got to be honest here. Now, that doesn't mean that Lighthizer is going to stay, but we better get somebody who's going to get rid of the corporate trade deals. That will unify labor. And that did unify labor. I mean, I worked on Employee Free Choice Act. I worked to fight the TPP. We had labor unified on that, $15 minimum wage. Uh, you know, it's also okay. You know, you guys and, and, and sisters have been in unions. You know, in my union, we didn't have unanimity. We had unity at the end of the day. We never had unanimity in my union, never. Uh, you know, whether that was, you know, anybody running or whether that was, you know, uh, and people would get, you know, fired up at times, not always agreeing. I, I wouldn't worry about that. I think we got to say to people, you know, there's some ground rules about that, but, you know, we take votes, but, you know, and we figure out how we mediate disputes, you know, whether it's in, in Louisville or, or, or in the country. We don't need to pretend that we all have to agree in order to move forward. And there's a lot of stuff we're not going to agree on. But I think we should focus, as you just said so eloquently, on a bunch of things that we will agree on and push those up front, you know, including $600 a week extra unemployment, et cetera. There's a long list that everybody's going to have health care. You know, exactly how you get it, we could have some disagreements over. I mean, I'm a Medicare for all person. It doesn't mean that everybody has to agree with me, but everybody's got to have health care, not, quote, access to health care. You know. It's like saying, I can go buy a Ferrari. Yeah, I can look at the Ferrari. I can't buy it. We need to have access, not access. We need to have health care, not access to health care. So I think there's a lot of things that would unite us. Uh, I think we need to lead with those things. The Voting Rights Act, D.C. statehood. There's a lot of things that would unite us. You know, democracy, public financing, H.R. 1 that never got to the floor of the Senate. Um, there's a lot of things that would unite us. And... Uh, I think the answer to that is lead with us, but don't be afraid of disagreement um, either. Because in any local union hall that I ever went to in CWI, and I went to, you know, we have a lot of locals, hundreds of them, you know, they, there was none where everybody agreed on everything. And my family, everybody never agreed on everything, you know. So I think we're, we, we look for that uni unanimity and, and we can have unity without it. Amen, brother. Well, and speaking of that, Larry, this will set up because as you can see, you know, Ben is down to Black Lives Matter Plaza, which is front of the AFL-CIO. And, you know, I've wound up having some really interesting discussions uh, around this issue with folks in the labor movement uh, and people who, what I've learned is I, I cannot predict how people are going to be on this issue. And I'm just curious about how those conversations have gone for you uh, because, I mean, it is, it, it, you know, I know the executive council, I know at the AFL-CIO, I mean, this is a real hot button issue. Um, and, and so I'm just, I'm just curious for your thoughts on that. Yeah, exactly. Um, Chris, exactly what question? Well, on Black Lives Matter. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, no, I would, personally, and in our revolution, I would go all the way in on that issue. You know, if I was still the president of CWA, I would be, you know, a little more careful because our broader alliance includes, uh, you know, AFSCME and, and, you know, worked with SEIU and, you know, because CWA has changed to win and the AFL-CIO on organizing and changed to win. So, um, you know, you know, we need to be, you know, again, to uh, Harold's point, um, you know, we need to be able to open up uh, a debate on, on, on all aspects for, for our revolution. 
you know, we, we would go all the way on, on Committee for Black Lives and the demands that they're making. And, you know, I would say to people, uh, well, I said this when I was president of CWA, this country's never come to terms with slavery. And again, I grew up in North Philadelphia. Uh, and, you know, it's not like every black kid and white kid, this is 50 years ago, worked great together in high school or anywhere else. But, uh, you know, we better come to terms with that. And you don't just jump over it. And, and slavery, uh, you know, I also, and our revolution, totally support, um, you know, citizenship for anyone who wants it, who's an immigrant, who's here now. Um, and, and um, you know, particularly people with green cards not having to pay several thousand dollars to vote. And therefore, 11 million green card holders not voting in this election. But, um, but I, I do think that uh, in terms of issues that are complicated, CWA, you know, even background checks on guns could have been complicated. It doesn't mean that we don't end up by a majority and people understand it. Hey, we're supporting background checks on guns. Um, I'm not saying everybody should take on the issues that are going to that are going to be you know you'll be up all night arguing about them, but I do think that on a critical issue like um, slavery and the fact that Reconstruction in this country lasted a few years and was gone and then got sold out, literally sold out in the presidential election. I forget exactly which year. I'm sure everybody else here knows that, but I forgot. Um, but it wasn't long after the Civil War. It was totally sold out in exchange for for uh, Hayes or somebody getting the presidency. So, you know, like it or not, we better come to terms with that. And secondly, we should come to terms with the fact, uh, you know, that again, I saw as a kid in Philadelphia, uh, there are white supremacists on the police force of many, uh, in many parts of this country. And that doesn't mean that we condemn the police force, but we condemn white supremacy on the police force. And we're not afraid to use those words. Um, and if that means that uh, and again, easier for me to say this now, but if that means that there aren't uh, police unions within our unions and they're in separate unions, that's the way it goes. Much more important, my opinion, again, to sort out um, how we build black-white unity. We will get nowhere in this country without that. And uh, that has got to be a primary thing, um, you know, black, white, and brown, uh, that we are united as working class people and that we will talk through whatever differences we have, but we will unite and fight or else we don't win. You know, Larry, uh, before you came on, we were talking about setting up a podcast where a bunch of union members pour themselves a drink and talk to each other. Sounds like some of the conversations people could have over a beer, right? Absolutely. And they got to agree to ground rules, right? Just like we always have. And the ground rules are you could raise your voice, but you're not raising your fist. There you go. There you go. Larry, it is always a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks so much for spending some time with us. And uh, frankly, uh, let's see how things go tonight. We may have to have you back tomorrow to do some uh, Wednesday morning quarterbacking. But uh, thank you. I'm doing the BBC at 1 a.m. live, so I'm not oh my God. in the morning. I'll see you, brother. See you thank all. You. Well, you, be Larry. strong. Be safe. Thanks so much, Larry. Thank you so much. Larry Cohen, he's a former president of the Communication Workers of America, my union, by the way, and uh, chair of support of Our Revolution.